following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. We're going to be in the middle of uh, Romans chapter 8. And like I said, Romans 8 verse 28. And Romans 8 is the most, I would say, uh, amazing promise in Scripture. I think this is the most powerful promise that we have in Scripture. We get to Romans 8 and we kind of stop for a second. And that's why we're spending so much time on this specific chapter is because it's so important to the Christian life. And there's some pillars that pop up in Romans chapter 8 regarding uh, what happens when we enter into the family of God. So a lot of what we're talking about today is uh, what it means to be a Christian. It's not a bad thing to be a Christian. A lot of people on the outside look at us and say, I don't really want to be called a Christian. I want to follow Jesus, but I don't want to be called a Christian. I don't get it. I don't, it, does, it just doesn't resonate with me. Uh, when I look at it, if, if you want to be a Christian, you take everything that God gives you and you just kind of welcome it. Like all the good, all the bad, all the family members uh, of the church are just like, yeah, here we go. Like I accept this and I want to uh, use what scripture says in order to fulfill what it means for me truly to be a Christian. And so we're going to see four pillars of what it means to be in the family of God this morning. And if you got your notes, um, go ahead and break those out in the slip and write this down. Number one, Romans 8, 28. The first thing he says is that we know Romans 8, 28, part A, it says that we know we're going to focus on that uh, for just a little bit. And we can first and foremost, something that we all forget, we can be confident in the family of God, write that down. We are confident when we are in Christ. A lot of times we've lost what it means to be confident. A Christian in Christ can be confident of being secured forever in the family of God. If you would go back and you would read a bunch of commentary on Romans 8, guys are either uh, bent one way or the other on this passage talking about eternal security. In other words, you can't lose your salvation. Once you come to know Jesus Christ, you can't lose that salvation. You're forever into the family of God. Now, I don't want to go like real deep into that, uh, but at Community Gospel Church, we believe that you, you can't lose your salvation. If you genuinely have made a commitment to Jesus Christ, no matter how far you stray from the family of God, your heavenly father is still your father. Okay, so we would look at that and we would realize that that's kind of our stance. And the Holy Spirit, the reason that we believe that is that the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians 4.30, has sealed us for the day of redemption. He's, he's kind of covered us up. When we make that commitment, he essentially like, um, a lot of you guys, some of you ladies, you can, and, and that seal kind of comes on, and, and you can't take that, you can take the container off, but you have to pop the seal in order to get the stuff out. Well, the Holy Spirit seals us, whether that's a good illustration or not, okay? He seals us into the family. When we put our trust in Christ, that's what happens. So those that fail to seek after the Lord fail to be confident in Christ. Well, those who, Matthew 6, seek God's kingdom are given righteous confidence that lasts forever. So when you're struggling with sin, 
I would say, where are you truly confident or where are you putting your confidence? Is it in the flesh, which fails, or it is in the Messiah who forever gives us the ability to overcome some of these things? Okay. The basic of being confident in Christ means a couple things. Let me see if I can break this down for you just a second. Because I want to affirm this morning who you are in Jesus Christ. I want to do what Paul does here. And I want to affirm for you what it means to be a Christian. Why it's such a good thing. Well, first of all, it means that all the areas of our lives are in God's hands. Praise the Lord for that, right? Every single area is in God's hands. Now, God doesn't have hands, okay? Jesus did. But, but God, that's, that's, that's a, a really fancy word for us to say. He's got the whole world. You guys are good, all right? He does. He, he created it, so he's the creator. Um, my kids love to play with Play-Doh, and when I create something, I have the ability to destroy it if I want to or add on to it if I want to, okay? That's how I kind of illustrate that God has the whole world in his hands. A couple of verses speak to that. Psalm chapter 31 says, my times are in your hands. The psalmist says, all of my time that I'm here on this earth is in your hands. Job knew it very well in the Old Testament. It says, in God's hands is life and every living thing and the breath of all mankind. God's got all of this in his hands. When we come into the family of God and we're adopted into the family of God, we know that God kind of takes us and he says, hey, you're going to be my child and I got everything that goes on in your life right here in my hands. Let's try it one more time. He's got the whole world. Yeah, that's kind of fun, isn't it? You didn't realize you could sing at church, but you can. Okay. Second thing is that we have the ability to be used for God's glory. Now, how much we are used depends on how confident we are in Jesus Christ. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 20 says, in a well-furnished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters. Okay. I'm reading out of the message here, but waste cans and composite buckets. Some containers used to serve fine meals and others to take out the garbage become the kind of container God can use to present any and every kind of gift to his guests for their blessings. What that means is when we are confident in Christ, God uses us for his glory. Those people who haven't understood what it truly means to be confident in Jesus Christ don't really understand what all God can do for them. So we look at this and we realize there is a clear-cut crystal or a cracked-out crockpot. I wrote that down and I really wanted to say it this morning. That can be used for God's glory. Some of us look like these nice chandeliers and some of us look like wastebaskets, but God can still use both. Amen? (laughs) Some of you are like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I understand now that you are the waste. No, I never said, like, don't point fingers, okay? All right. <laughs> Oftentimes, if you think you're the crystal, God looks at you and says you're the composite. <laughs> okay? So he says, This is who you can be in Jesus Christ. Let me keep going in case I get a little off. Okay? 1970s, good year, true or false? I don't know. I wasn't born yet. In the 1970s, the San Diego Chargers had Dan Fouts as a quarterback in one particular game. Fouts and the team were having a bad day. Two minutes remaining in the game, San Diego was down 14 to nothing. Frustrations were high, so the coach pulled out the Fouts guy who was a star, and he put in the backup quarterback. 
You imagine it, like that's what happens. Isn't that like the worst feeling when you're the backup quarterback? They're like, hey, we're down by, you know, 14. Why don't you go ahead and go in the game? Thanks, coach. Got a lot of confidence in me. All right. Okay. It happened a lot in high school for me. So all of a sudden, Douglas, he straps on his helmet with anticipation. He bolts out onto the field. He heads for the huddle. When suddenly he stops in his tracks, he turns to the coach and yells, coach, do you want me to win the game or do you want me to just tie it? I like that. And let me tell you why I like that. Because God often calls second string quarterbacks off the bench to win the game for him. I don't know if you know it or not, but if you read the Old Testament, you'll see a lot of time God pulls the B team out because the A team got a little ahead of themselves and got a little bit too cocky in their approach and God took them out. And he says, I want people who know who they are in me, in Christ, and I'm going to use them for my glory. Look at this. When God calls us into the family of God, we're confident and we're gifted to win for the great coach that he is. So we have to look to him and his playbook and we have to look to the Bible and we have to say, hey, this is what God has given me to be confident in my relationship with Christ so that I can become more than a conqueror. Okay, God looks at us and he says, what I want you to do is I want you to be a confident, bold Christian living without fear. Easy to say, harder to do, but he says we can rest in the comfort and hope that only God offers. Let me ask you just a few application questions for this specific passage. First and foremost, do we have that kind of confidence in Jesus Christ and what he is asking us to do? In other words, have we put our life in his hands? I think some of us think that we've put our life in his hands. And what happens is we try to strive for his glory. And we go, oh God, this is what, this is what you want me to do. For example, I've realized being a pastor, a lot of times I plan and then I pray. And I just ask God to come with me. I just say, hey, you know what, Lord, that's a great idea. I hope you saw that that was a great idea for me. And I'm going to pray that you come along with me. And he's like, you know what? And then I, why am I surprised? What we need to do is we need to pray, then plan. We need to pray about things and then plan them according to what God tells us to do. Now, a lot of people say, oh, well, God told me. You ever had somebody tell you that? Well, God told me. God spoke to me. And a lot of times they're absent from what the scriptures say. This is frustrating. When God tells us something, it is always accompanied by what is presented in his word. I am not one to listen to somebody who says God told me that has the absence of what scripture says. And we must be that kind of church. We must be confident in God's promises that are presented in his word, praying and then planning. That's why I love our elders and deacons, man, because we're adamant about, hey, let's pray about this specific thing and then let's plan accordingly. God sometimes frustrates the plans of man because they get ahead of his will. Let me ask you a second question. Do we trust Christ to get by or to go the distance? Well, oftentimes when things get hard, when things get, uh, uh, we get into a situation that's kind of pressing against us, our first inclination is to run. No, oh God, I don't, I don't know. Like, like, and this is hard because your hands start shaking and I'm big on this. My body gets cold. I don't know about you, but man, I just get cold and I start to shake. And I'm like, Lord, I, don't, I, I know you told me to be confident and go the distance here, but man, I'm a little nervous about this. And so do I, do I trust you? A lot of times in my prayer life, 
One of the prayers that I repeat over and over again is, God, allow me to trust, to believe that I really truly am confident or can be confident when I'm called a Christian. How many times do we pray that? I mean, sometimes in my specific prayer life, I'm like, God, help me not to doubt because he's like, this is something I want you to do. You've been praying about it. Be obedient in it. And I'm like, ah, oh, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, God, I, I don't know if I can do that. And he's like, that's right. You can't. But with my power and my strength, you can. And so we look at this and we realize that do we, do we really believe church? Do you really believe that you can be used for God's glory? Do you really believe it? I mean, do you, do you own it in your soul? Man, God can use me for his glory. We'll go into uh, part B in Romans eight twenty eight. Okay, he starts out and he says that we know, okay, that we can be confident, essentially, that for those who love God, if I'm confident in Christ, I'm remembering that I am covered. Write that down. Now, we're talking about pillars of being in the family of God. I am confident in Jesus Christ because I am covered by his blood. And what that means is, essentially, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm a huge MASH fan. Anybody, anybody a big MASH fan? Like, it's an old TV show. Some of you guys are like, what's MASH? Any, do I have, do I have any, any MASH fans out there? Oh, I got some people in the back. They're like, yeah, I love that show, okay? And the older congregation is like, doggone it, we do have something in common. And the funny thing is, I watch this all the time. What happens is they'll be working, uh, and for those of you who don't know, MASH is about the war, and they're doctors in the war, and don't judge me because I watch MASH, okay? Um, but, but what happens is they'll be working in here, and all of a sudden a bomb will go off, and all the dust from the top of the, of the place that they're working at kind of falls in, and what do the doctors do? They go like this. Because Why? Because they don't want an infection to get into what they're working on, right? So, so, like this. See, what happens is a bomb explodes in our life, and God essentially says, don't rush, don't run away. I got you. I like that. It makes me happy. Because he covers me, okay? He covers me for those who love God. Confident Christians are secure because they know they are covered in Jesus Christ. We rest in that fact. The security God offers us is limitless because he works everything, as we already talked about in Romans chapter 8, for his good. We realize that every happy moment or horrendous hardship has the opportunity to show us that we're covered in Jesus Christ. Now let's just be honest as a church. It's easier to understand that God covers us when we have happy moments than when we have these horrendous hardships. I hate hardships, amen? I don't like going through hard times. It doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me. But I know that God covers me in both of those seasons. I understand that God is there for us. There was uh, once a guy who visited uh, an orange grove where there was an irrigation pump that had broken down. The season was usually dry and some of the trees were beginning to die because of lack of water. We can understand that. We kind of live in farm country. So what happens is the man was giving the tour and then he takes uh, this, this other guy to his own orchard where irrigation was used sparingly. These trees, essentially what happened, follow me here for a second, could go without rain for another two weeks, he said. 
You see, when they were young, I frequently kept water on them. The hardship caused them to send their roots deeper into the soil in search of moisture. Now mine are the deepest, rootest trees in the area. So you have one guy who says, hey, you know what? If you constantly water these newborn, oh, I'm, I'm going to preach something to you today. These newborn Christians, in other words, if you constantly sit over them and you don't let them fail, they won't grow deep in their relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you have come to know Jesus Christ and you just got fed, got fed, got fed, there's a chance that you are a borderline Christian because you've never really experienced a hardship. And then once a hardship comes, people will leave the church because they say, oh, God must not be in it. No, 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 no. It's hard for American Christians to understand the goodness of God because we've really never gone through a big trial or temptation. And what we see is the persecution of the church causes the tree to go bigger. And so our action should be to rest confidently in the fact that Christ covers us when hardships come and welcome them into the soil. Are you following me? Are you tracking me with me on that? Like that's, that's counterintuitive to what the world says. I just want the good life. I just want things to be going okay. But God says, listen, you should welcome hardships. Really? You should welcome them because what will happen is the more hardships you go through as an individual believer, as a church, the more rooted you will become. This is what God tells us in his word. We can be the deepest, rudest trees in our area if we would welcome hardships. Really? I mean, that's wild. So you're telling me instead of running from problems, I should run to problems? You're telling me that when I see the war going on out there, instead of running away from it and just typing and clicking on my social media, I should run to it? You're telling me that you have me covered in whatever I go through for the kingdom of God? Yeah, that's exactly what God tells us. That's exactly what he says. We can be confident in hardship because God is working for us And he's working for our good to make sure we know just how much we are covered in him. That's exactly what he says. Now, let me give you a couple things here. Let me give you some application points here, okay? When God covers us, okay, this is what this means. That means he guarantees us that there are promises. He guarantees for us that his promises are true. Every time we have hardships, every time we receive a blessing, God essentially guarantees that there are hardships, and he guarantees that there are promises through those hardships and through those, through those great times. God's timing and his plan is always perfect. No matter how much we question it, we have to be patient because his promises, ready church, don't always come overnight, do they? Second thing he tells us that we're covered in him is that he's our great teacher. He's teaching us, he's, he's shaping us, he's, he's formulating us. God's looking at us and he says, I want to teach you some things. He gives the test and then he gives the lesson after the test. He looks at us and he says, we know that this is the best place to learn whether we like it or not. This is the best. We know that when we're covered with Jesus Christ that our God's not dead. See, God has guaranteed his family. His promises are true. He has Become our great teacher who allows us to be disciplined, where he asks us to welcome that because we know that he's not dead. 
Our God's alive. I can see him. <laughs> I remember uh, talking to the guys who are doing LSL right now. And I sat there and I listened to, and, and, and I kind of uh, started communicating to him. And I was like, listen, guys, I wish I could tell you all the things that have happened in the first two flights of LSL. I wish I could show you these things. They are all reasons of how I know that God is not dead that he's alive, that he's working in us and through us. And when we put our best foot forward in confidence that we have a relationship with him, knowing that we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, we can do great things for the kingdom of God. Because why? Because God loves those who faithfully love him. Look at that. That's the last thing. Write that down. God loves those who faithfully love him. I'm putting all my stock, all my effort, into my relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to put all my, all my, all my care, all my, all my love, all my, all my desire for grace I put in there because I need to trust that God has our best intentions in mind. The first and the greatest commandment is that you should love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I tell people all the time, <laughs> I, listen to, I got this from my dad. My dad used to say, uh, name the top three things in your life. A lot of, uh, I'll give you my dad's list because it's hilarious. He said, fishing first, his wife second, and his kids third. Did you catch that? You see where I sit on that list? That's no fun. Fishing first, wife second, kids third. I said, dad, is that a real list? He says, you'll never know. <laughs> But sometimes that's our list, isn't it? We prioritize things. And then all of a sudden we say, oh, God first, and then fishing second, wife third. Now this is how my dad's list really goes. My mom has always been first, and we know it. We're kind of a close second. He just kind of inherited us as kids. But we understand that, I, and, and one time I asked him, I said, God, uh, or said, Dad, why isn't God on your list? Because God's in all of the things on my list. See, I love watching, my dad's the only guy I know who does this. He'll be on his way to a wedding, he'll have a suit coat on and a tie and a white shirt. He'll take his suit coat off because he stopped at a farm pond. He goes fishing for a little bit. If he gets any sort of fish guts on his shirt, then he goes ahead and he gets back in the truck and he puts on his coat and you never would know. What a smart guy. And I said, dad, why do you do that? Why do you, why do you go stop at the farm pond before you go do a wedding? He says, because Jordan, that's my time with Jesus. See, he understands that God gave us creation, but God also gave us, us relationship too. And so he wants us to enjoy these things. He wants us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Put him in everything. Are you putting God in everything? Or just at the top of the list? Are we the type of church that we just kind of like do our devotions at the beginning of the day and say, okay, God, you got me covered for the rest of the day and just kind of put him off to the side? Do we do that? I got to admit, I've done that a couple of times. See, what happens is when we put God in all things, he is, last thing, write this down, he is making us like his son, Jesus Christ. Sinful bodies need radical restoration. To make us like Jesus means that, we, that the clay has to be thrown and it has to be molded and it has to be shaped because God knows as our great teacher that the end is worth it. 
He looks at us, he says, there's no better place than being buried in a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's nothing better in the world. There's nothing better than God's promises. There's nothing better. There's no greater teacher than God being our great teacher because he is not dead. He is at work in us and through us of those people who genuinely love him with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind and all their strength. He is making us like Christ. He's making us like his son. He's molding the pottery. He's, he's, He's merging and pushing and prodding. And you ever feel like God's pushing and prodding you and you're like, just stop. And he's like, I can't stop because I got to do some radical surgery to get you to the place that you need to be so that you can use the gifts that I have given you. I got to make things hard sometimes so that you can see the blessings on the other end. Are you you tracking with that? Man, that's a good promise. Let me read to you in second Corinthians chapter four. Again, I'm going to use the message because it's just, I love the way it speaks. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. The hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today are gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see will last forever. You feel like God's kind of pushing and prodding? You feel like God's kind of giving you some surgery? Let me tell you something. Even though you can hear bombs exploding on the outside, God is still hovering over top of you, covering you, making sure that you know who you are in Jesus Christ and you can be confident in that fact. Paul's not done with us though. Romans 8 verse 28, if you look at the third part of the section, he says, we know, we're confident that the, for those who love God, who are covered in a relationship with Jesus Christ, all things, all things work together for good. For those who are, what's the word? Called. Circle that in your Bible. Called is a huge word. It says for those who are called. We have to understand that God called us. Not only are we confident in our relationship with Jesus Christ, not only are we covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are called into this relationship with him. Now watch this. Those who love God are called to be confidently covered and you have to break down what those two phrases mean to understand what being called is all about. Look at the first one. Those who love God, a little bit of a recap. A Christian cannot call themselves Christian unless he or she truly loves the Lord. How do we love the Lord? We enter into a relationship with him. We trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We, as what we've termed it, we get saved. Then the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament show God as being a very jealous God, one that wants to have all of our lives He says, don't love any other gods, Exodus chapter 20. So either we love the Lord and we do what he commands or we hate him by doing our own will. Matthew tells us that. Matthew says, he who is not with Christ is against Christ. He who's not for Jesus doing what God asks him to do is against Jesus. There's no middle ground. There's, nothing, there's, there's no right or left. It's not like, hey, I can kind of just do this little thing that I want to do because it's not really hurting anybody. But as we learned last week, your sin has a ripple effect to it. So yeah, it is kind of hurting somebody. 
And we look at this and we realize that God tells us that true love means we surrender our lives to Christ in a one-time act of salvation and again in a life of obedience. Don't lose this. God wants us to be obedient in a couple of ways. Let me, let me name these for you. You don't have them down on, on your paper, but let me just name them for you. A life of continuous prayer. A continual act of trusting in him. An internal peace to know who we are in Jesus. Most of these are coming out of Psalms. The ability to know we can accomplish God's will. The fact that we can love what God loves. The fact that we should hate what God hates. The fact that we should love the brotherhood of what John says. We should love the church. And we should long for Christ's return. We talked about that a little bit a couple of weeks ago. So those who love God are going to live a life of obedience to God. As a heavenly father, I want to be obedient to him. I want to do what he tells me to do. I want to, I want to be who he tells me to be. And then the second thing, those who are called is Jesus's declaration in Matthew chapter 22 that many are called, but few are chosen. In other words, God says, hey, many of you are called. Like, as a matter of fact, I would look back and I would say, God calls all of us through his son, Jesus Christ. But few are chosen, meaning that God extended his hand to all in death, knowing many would not accept that gift of salvation. So God's desire is that all men be in his family, but he ultimately knows that we choose. We get the choice. Wait, doesn't God know everything? What is that? Well, hold on a second. I get to choose, but God knows everything. What, is, what does that mean? Well, how do we explain that man has a choice, but that God knows everything? Let me see if I can explain this to you. God knows everything before it happens, which is called foreknowledge. This means he knows ahead of time who will call on him to be saved and who won't. God gets it. He says, that guy, he's going to trust in me. That guy, he's going to reject me. First Peter Chapter one, verse uh, one and two says, we are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Even though God does the choosing, we are given the opportunity to ask him to choose us. It's like the army general who asked his soldier, whoever would like to go volunteer to go on a dangerous mission with me, please step forward. About one third of the soldiers step forward on their own free will, separating themselves from the other soldiers. The general then went up to each soldier, stepped forward and says, I choose you and you and you and you and you. He chose everyone who stepped forward, but he didn't choose anyone who didn't volunteer. That's kind of (laughs) deep. But we look at this and we realize that this general gave us free will but he did the choosing in the same way God allows us to have free will, but he chooses everyone who wants to love him with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength. See, let me, let me kind of communicate something to you. God is calling you. And what I mean by that is he's calling you into, first of all, his family. And he's also giving you the opportunity to accept his free gift of salvation. Those that accept that call, God accepts as his own. So we understand that we have the opportunity to accept the call to be in the family of God or harden our hearts to what God is offering to us in regards to knowledge. We have the opportunity to be 
confidently covered in his grace if we freely choose. Now, some of you are kind of like, what did he just say? But watch this, track with me. What happens is God says, I choose you. Jesus comes, he dies on the cross for our sins, and he says, I choose you. Do you choose me? He knows the answer. He understands it. He says, I I know, I I know everything. I'm a great God. I, I get it, but I'm giving you the choice. Will you choose me? Will you accept, church, that you are called to be confident in a relationship with Jesus Christ covered by his blood? Do you get it? That's essentially what God says. He says, I'm calling you to live a different way. I'm calling you to be obedient of a different kind. I'm calling you to be a little bit different than your neighbor. I'm calling you on a specific task for a specific time because you're covered in my blood and you can be confident and you don't have to be afraid when God calls you to do something for his kingdom. You don't have to be afraid. And so God looks at us and he says, I want you to know this because the last part of Romans chapter eight really kind of bridges everything together because it says we are called according to his purpose. Why is this the hinge of the Bible? Why is this specific passage really the door to Christianity? Because here's what happens. Paul essentially says either you're in or you're out. Either you want to be a called child of God, understanding what it means to be covered in the blood of Jesus, confident in your relationship with Christ, or you don't. There's no middle ground for us as a church. Because we understand when we fight, the best fights is when we are, write this down, the last thing, we are connected in the family of God. We're connected to each other. I will build relationships with people who know who they are in Christ Jesus. And I will not build relationships with people who have identity crisis. There is nothing better than a Christian who stands by you and knows who they are in Jesus Christ and says, I will fight this fight for you. It's essentially what our membership covenant says. Our membership covenant says, do you believe in what the Bible says? And do you believe that we are called, Matthew 28, to make Christ known both near and far, understanding what the gospel says to be true? It's essentially what we're asking people. Like, do you want to go on this journey with us? Well, what does that entail? Well, we we believe that you should be on point for Jesus Christ because we're connected in this family. And we believe that you should be confident. And we believe that you should know that you're covered in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And we believe that, that you should be called to a specific purpose. So what we're saying is, like, your neighbor is somebody who God wants you to go reach. And what we're saying is like your family members who don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, like we believe that you should go call those people to the same relationship that God called you. Well, how do I do that? I'm glad you asked because the next sermon series that we're going to preach is all about how to share your relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to spend 10 solid weeks talking about evangelism. It all stemmed from one conversation that I had with an individual. They leaned into me one night and they said, hey, How come it's easy for you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and it's hard for me? And it's been wrestling in my heart ever since. And it's one of the things we never really discussed as a church. When we go make Christ known near and far, how do you do it? We're talking about it this morning in our nine o'clock hour. So many of us live in fear and you don't have to be afraid. It's easy. 
We forgot who we were. We're going to finish up our study on Romans 8. And we're going to move into this series called Testify and show you that it really truly is possible to win your neighbor, your family member, the guy who's so far from Jesus Christ to a relationship with God the Father. It's not that hard. Like, really, it's not. You're sitting there looking at me go, what? Yes, I don't think you know my family member. I don't think you know my neighbor. And the thing about it is, I don't, but God does. And he's called you to those things. The security of knowing Christ is being connected in the family of God, knowing that everybody's on point. Everybody's on point. And we realize that there's a divine purpose. Romans 8, 29. Predestined to become conformed to Jesus' image. Israel's kind of a great parallel to the New Testament church. They wandered in the desert in the Old Testament. We see this uh, for the promised land. So we wander and wait for the return. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. Read this with me. God wasn't attracted to you. He didn't choose you because you were big and important. The fact is, there was almost nothing to you. He did it out of sheer love, keeping the promise he made to your ancestors. God stepped in and mightily he brought you back out of the world of slavery. He freed you from the iron grip of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know this, God, your God is God indeed. He's a God you can depend on. He keeps his covenant of loyal love with those who love him and observe his commandments for a thousand generations. But he also pays back those who hate, who hate him. He pays them the wages of death. He isn't slow to pay them off. Those who hate him, he pays right on time. God is calling us, church, to be a family who really is a lighthouse for our community. I believe this with all of my heart. Community gospel for the past 40 years has been an evangelical community. What that means is we are all about making Christ known near and far. That's our whole mission. That's why we live on point. And let me tell you something that really speaks to my heart. We cannot win the outside world for Jesus Christ if we are not living in a relationship with Jesus Christ ourselves. If my neighbor doesn't hear me talk about Jesus Christ, doesn't see me mimic God's son, if I don't show him that it's possible to stumble in the Christian life and yet still succeed, if I don't show him the reality that Christ is for us, he's not against us, then who will? If we look at this, we realize that there's an option to accept God's call first and foremost into a relationship with him, but there's also a call to communicate that gospel to the people who are far from Jesus Christ. And I wish we wouldn't be passive about this as a church. It's a call to be connected to each other by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a call to be confident in the fact we no longer have to walk this life alone. It's a call to know for sure that our sins are covered. How will we live such a great truth that we know? How will we live this out? Will we simply hide it or will we let it be a movement? to win the rest of the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the God's coming. He's going to call us home. And here's, uh, here's, here's, here's the danger, church. This is what grinds me. Oh, man, this grinds me. Is that I cannot tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian anymore. I'm not trying to beat you up. I just don't get it. 
Like we just don't talk differently anymore. We don't, we don't walk differently anymore. It's just like, man, that guy, I don't know. Like, do you know Jesus Christ or do you not know Jesus Christ? I see people who come in and out of businesses and organizations and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, do you know Jesus or do you don't know Jesus? Let me tell you something. That doesn't mean that you strap on a community gospel t-shirt and you're like, I know Jesus. That's not it. <laughs> okay. I'm not asking you to do that. And I'm not asking you to like, you know, put in all the little catchphrases where it's like, hey, I'm hooked on Jesus. No, 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 no. Don't. Ah, yeah. What I'm asking is, are we genuinely radiating a relationship with Jesus Christ that we're having when we're outside? And what I mean by that is, are you so living on point in your relationship with Jesus Christ that, that once you enter into the world, people see Jesus in you? Like, do you spend so much time in the word and in prayer that it just kind of comes out? I'm going to pick on the older ladies Sunday school class because let me tell you something, you guys are doing a phenomenal job here. Bethany is, uh, attends the older women's Sunday school class. They love having her there. Um, and she just kind of goes, you know, she's like, I'm going to hang out with them. Is that cool? And I'm like, I don't go for it. Do whatever you want. And uh, I says, what, what happens in there? Because I'm not invited. <laughs> I pop in for like the first two minutes and they're like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, good. They're like, okay. Just kidding. They never kick me out. And it's funny, like, in the older generation, we need to elevate you a little bit. This is what the older generation does, and we're learning a lot from you. Is the older generation spends a lot of time talking about how they can pray for other people. Then they spend a lot of time praying for other people. Then they spend a lot of time talking about what God is doing. And then if there's time, they do the lesson. I kind of like that. See, they pray, then plan. And sometimes, I'm, I, I, we need to apologize as, as a church. We're sorry for the older generation for kind of moving you guys out of the picture. Because let me tell you something, we're watching you. And we know you're watching us as well. And what we have to get to is we have to get to the point to where we radiate Jesus. Because let me tell you something, guys. The older generation has taught us one thing. You stay consistently focused on Jesus no matter how big the waves get. Sometimes people want to crack down on our older generation. I'm like, yeah, but they've stuck with the same church for 40 years. They haven't gone anywhere. They've stayed right here. They've said, here, this is what we're going to do. We're going to focus on Jesus Christ. We're going to remain solid in what his word says. We're going to spend time in prayer for people that need that prayer. And man, we're going to be a church that just is a lighthouse for the community. And we're, we're, we're kind of catching some of this, this virus. And this is kind of how it's like spreading throughout. And we're seeing people who are coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we're going to continue that as long as we're focused on living out what the word says. John chapter 1. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of man, but of God. So church, I guess what Romans 8.28 really breaks down to is, do you know who you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you understand these four things? That you are confidently placed in the family of God, covered by his blood. Do you understand what it means to be called a Christian? Do you get it? Do you understand what a powerhouse it is to be connected into a mighty family like Community Gospel? Like, do you get it? 
Or are we still living according to the flesh? And I think a lot of times we're still living according to the flesh. And if we really want to be a lighthouse for our community, what we have to do is we have to eliminate ourselves. And so we're going to do something this morning that we haven't done for a long time, but I think it's much needed. If you're an elder or a deacon of our church, and I know Vance, you're up on the computer, but that's okay. You can come down. Everybody will be okay with it. Sometimes for me to regain who I am in the family of God, I need a brother or sister to just lay their hands on me and say, hey man, this is who you are. And let me pray that you see this truth. And let me tell you something. We have been praying for you. That you would know what it truly means to be confidently covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I think, church, we've lost it a little bit and we don't pause enough to just really remember who we are. I think a lot of us just have sin in our lives and it's just, man, it's just like, God, I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm just going to pray that you kind of come along with and here's kind of reckoning day where we would eliminate ourselves and say, hey, I'm all in. Like you can have like this whole thing. I understand that you're in the family of God. When I first came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, what happened was I gave him a commitment because I wanted to get to heaven. And then when I truly committed my life to Christ, the Holy Spirit came in. And I said, whatever you want to do, you go ahead and you do it. But it took somebody laying their hands on me and saying, hey man, you are, you are, a, you are a brother or sister in Jesus Christ. You are in the family of God. Don't forget it. We don't spend enough time like affirming who we are in Christ Jesus. So I don't know where you're at. I, I don't know what's going on, but we're going to kind of make this front just kind of like a, like a holy place. Sometimes you have to have a, a movement to where you get up out of your chair and, and you come down. It, this is kind of like an old school thing when they, they call it an altar. But really what it is, it's like, it's like us saying, man, God, I need to remove myself and I need to come forward and I need to spend some time with you. And I need a brother or sister just to put their hand on me and tell me who I am. I got all this sin. I got all this junk and I forgot who I am in the family of God. I missed it. Man, I'm just, I'm just so far off, but you can restore relationships. That's who you are. That's what you do. I'm living with all this guilt. If that's you, man, just come on down. There's there's a spot for you. You can kneel here. Don't let anything separate you from God speaking truth into your life. You're an elder and deacon. I want you to come up. I want you to spend time praying for the people who are going to come forward. Don't let your spouse stop you from coming forward. If that's you, if that's where you're sitting at, if that's what you're like, man, I just I just want to I just I just feel like I need to lay this down at Jesus's feet. Then you then you come up. And you just, and you let somebody speak some truth in your life of who you really are in Christ Jesus. Church, if you would, if you just pray with me this morning, Father God, we want to open this altar. We want to allow people to come down, to be, to be prayed for, to eliminate all of our sins, all of our suffering. Man, if, if that's where you're at, guys, if that's, if that's who you are, if the Holy Spirit's pushing you. Let me tell you something. It does nothing for us to have people come to the front. It does everything for you. That God would release you. That God would do something powerful in you. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church Podcast. 
If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.